I always tell you how you can support the podcast, but I wanted to let you know about the new collection, which is books one through three. Now, as a single ebook available on Amazon, Nook, Barnes and Noble, it's called Starside Saga Boxed Set Books One Through Three. Very clever title. So go check that out if you haven't already. I do this podcast for the love of the story, but I really appreciate it when listeners go out of their way to buy a copy just to give me that little coffee money that I need. You can also email me at podcast at ericedstrom.com. Chapter 9. About a Scandal The Radiants lived in such luxury that the very air of Grissonside smelled different from the rest of Sarside. The great houses stood at much higher elevation than the rest of the city, so none of the chimney smoke and foul reek of the lower quarter reached them. And if the wind turned easterly, as it had today, the ocean added a humid freshness to the air. The Hargath, however, detected the grisly smells of the wharfs, for he was immersed in the Mercosine. The carriage rattled up the slopes, the ride smoother now that they had passed into the rich quarter of the city. The clop of the horse's hooves made for a nice rhythm that provoked memories of his youth. They arrived at the estate of Radiant Pauline, his sister. What a remarkable rise to power she had enjoyed. A plantation overseer's daughter should never gain admission to such a house, but like the Hargath, Junie had been born ambitious. She hadn't the faintest spark of Marcus, so her rise had required less subtle methods. She would argue, had argued, that her techniques were more subtle, but she was a woman and didn't see her own wantonness for what it was. The Hargus smirked at the thought. Junie could just as easily have ended up the cup, madam, of a cheapskate brothel. But one moment of chance, of bumping into her future husband at Tillsday service, had delivered her to the street of the diadem. The carriage came to a stop, and the Hargath stepped out unaided, though his elderly servant made all manner of concerned noises to see him do so. The man was worse than a nanny. The forewarning of the Hargath's arrival had resulted in a greeting party. He felt the shapes and presence of the household staff assembled at the front entry. Standing at the top of the steps was his sister, her daughter Quinn, at her side. The Hargath ascended, allowing his empty gaze to sweep over those to his left and right. He knew how his empty eye sockets made them shiver. Soon they would be spreading the news of his good health all over Grissonside. That was good, for the Radiance needed to know that the Hargath was real, and he was vigorous. He gained the top of the steps and stopped in front of his sister. She smelled familiar though she had splashed on some toilet water meant to smell like flowers, but which merely irritated his nose. Dearest Junie, how long has it been? Seventeen years, brother. Please do come in. She didn't offer assistance, which irritated him more than if she had. He followed, tracking her footsteps and those of her daughter. Quinn had been just a babe in arms when he had last seen her. She had a shadowy way of walking, too quiet. He thought it preternaturally so. She had either been trained in dance, or she had been practicing the sneak-footed tricks of thieves. They entered the parlor, where the Hargath was offered and accepted a soft chair. 
Tea was brought, small words exchanged. Finally, the servants were excused, and the Hargath was alone with his sister and niece. His sister spoke first. You have not come to apologize, I suppose? No, she would have to bring up his supposed transgression. Your husband's death was not my fault. You tortured him with your Marcusine horrors. What other cause could there be? Duntust himself said that Hansi's heart gave out. It is known that rotund men have weak hearts. But I didn't come here to argue this all over again. I came to offer you a deal. You sound like Marlowe, but at least with him I know the exchange will be equitable. With you it's do what I say or die. Oh, exaggerate. I am not unreasonable. Quinn, Junie said, what your uncle means is that he is not yet prepared to threaten a radiant. Go on, Ten, make your offer. I have bonded with a beloved one. Quinn rustled out of the leather chair she had been slouching in. A sharp word from her mother stopped her from approaching the Hargath. Curious, he thought, reaching out to touch her mind. The probe was ever so light. He could hardly bring her to her knees and rip forth her thoughts if he expected his sister to cooperate. He didn't find anything specific, but she held a great load of animosity toward him. Congratulations! Junie said to him once her daughter had flopped back into her chair. Did you pull off its tail yet, or are you still setting fire to animals these days? The Hargath let her taunts go. His past experiments had been very instructive. He didn't expect her to understand them. My beloved one was subsequently stolen by a demain. Quinn let out a shocked cry, but Junie just lifted her teacup and blew on the hot liquid. The smell of easy black wafted across the Hargath's face. Finally, she said, So Marlowe stole it? That's what you're saying? Indirectly. That's why I need you to read the summoning so I can retrieve what is mine. Junie set her cup down, the porcelain clicking onto its saucer. The Hargath had not touched his. He didn't put it past his sister to poison him. The outright refusal he expected did not come right away. He saw that as a good sign. Why ask me at all, she said. Why not use your will shift to compel me? A stupid question. Will shift could make her move, could possibly make her speak a few lines. But to invoke the domain summoning, she had to implore Kill's favor. The despised god would never grant it if the Hargath used Juni as a puppet. That was why he couldn't touch her mind at all. She had to mean it when she read the words of summoning. I am not a monster, despite what you believe, he said. I merely know that you will meet with success and I will not. Can nothing be done to sway you? Have you an enemy who needs a reckoning? Perhaps a servant stealing from your jewelry box. Allow me to investigate their minds, and I will identify the culprit. All can be arranged. Merely name it. Instead of the pause of consideration he expected, she simply said, No. Now, Junie, there is no reason to deny yourself the great boon I offer you. And why do so? Merely to deny me what I seek? 
That is not reasonable for one of your practical ambition. Do you dare to insult me in front of my own daughter? Insult? What insult? I know exactly what you mean by practical ambition. Why can you not accept that my husband loved me and that I did not rise to my position through the bedchamber, but through the power of my mind? The Hargath raised his hands to ward off her indignation, which was attended by a very prickly heat emanating from her whole body. Spare me, sister. I understand you need to make a show for your child, but let us be frank. You are in a weak position as a radiant. Your title is at risk. The other houses do not see you as legitimate. They tolerate you because her enlightened majesty once showed you favor by allowing your marriage. But they all see that as a warning to them, not as a sign of your worth. If you were to think about how power truly works, you'd see the advantages of having me as an ally. I can discover information through many means. The entirety of the Way of Till's network of Don'smasters is at my command. The Highest himself is practically my footman. Our alliance can go beyond this first minor favor, I ask. We could work together, and together there is no office in the realm that is too lofty an aim. Quinn, leave us. Mother, you cannot leave us. The girl left, but not without uttering a diatribe that she didn't think he could hear. But he heard it, and one name she uttered stood out in his mind as if written in fiery letters. She had used the name Nex. So, Quinn knew Carla's sigh and the beloved one he had renamed Ishmila. The Hargath could not probe her mind from a distance, and he didn't dare attempt it before he had negotiated an agreement with Junie. He would have to bring her into his crypt for a discussion. What a strange connection, though. Clearly, the force of destiny was guiding Carla Sai back to him. The animal was important, for he believed the bond contained information useful for his plans. Once he understood it fully, perhaps any creature could be so bonded. When the door to the parlor had clunked shut, his sister stood. You are a horrid man, Ten. You have been an embarrassment to me my entire life. I had thought you nearly dead, based on Marlowe's reports. What transpired between you two that you can no longer rely on him? Aside from summoning a domain to steal my beloved one. Simple. He conspired to have a girl stab me. To his extreme irritation, Junie laughed. He even heard a distinct thigh slap. It took all his will not to unleash Mercusine retribution on her. But then Junie spoke in the cool tones of business. I do not believe you will fulfill your side of any bargain once I've delivered on mine. That is why I will require payment in advance. He feigned disgust, but motioned for her to proceed with her demands. First, I want my house Donesmaster recalled to the abbey and not replaced. I'll put it around that no respectable Donesmaster wants the post. Done. The Donesmaster assigned to her had been his pick. The man was diligent and obsequious, but he had not turned up the scandalous stories the Hargath had hoped for. It cost him nothing to sacrifice the man. 
What else? Second, highest Benel will discover my tithes have been prepaid for a tenure. I am pious. Done. The Hargus' own accounts could cover that a hundred times over. Coin was nothing to him. Third, you will assure that the way does not obstruct Quinn from entry to the garden in Ori's home. Talk about scandal. The idea that a Radiant's daughter would study with those harlots was more than scandalous. It verged on outright heresy. Quinn had schooled with them at the baths down the street, and that had caused no end of murmurs. But to go to the harlot's home at the garden was an entirely larger move, for it couldn't be mistaken for anything other than it was. So, you do have your eye on the raven throne. For Quinn, not yourself. You make too much of it. I merely want my daughter to have an education. A complete education, unlike what she'd get with your order. And if a vacancy in the citadel occurs, it is best for all that a qualified leader be at hand to step in. Junie was cut from the same bolt of silk as Marlowe, smooth and impractical. But let her have these grandiose illusions. Her fantasies were nothing to the Hargath. She wasn't asking him to support any such claim for Quinn, should the opportunity arise. And if it did, when it did, he would sit upon the raven throne and accept Quinn's hair as her penance before bundling her off to the kitchens to scrape pots for a tenure. I accept your terms, he said. But you must read the summoning tonight. My beloved one must be returned before I can pursue other objectives. I shall have Highest Benel send you the required documents concerning your tithes, Dunhitch's recall, and the Highest's signed letter of recommendation for Quinn's entry into the garden school of her choosing. You will come to my sanctuary beneath the abbey. I believe there is a chamber there spacious enough for the rites. It is agreed, brother. He departed smiling to himself as he boarded his carriage. Junie had gotten many concessions from him. Surely she felt she'd won a great victory. But she had asked for nothing of consequence at all. Now to prepare the burn chamber beneath the abbey. He had forgotten about the room until his fool servant had reported that Kylasai had climbed up the flue. He had acolytes cleaning it out now. The stones were being collected by others, he need merely prepare himself to confront the domain. And that was not a simple undertaking. The one Marlowe had sent to steal Ishmila had been of the highest order. Such beasts were known as Yasnathan, and their access to the Mercosine was beyond the bounds of human capability. Their bodies were said to be so infused with power that neither blade nor flame could harm them. Indeed, the only things that could do were blades and barbs of blood-quenched steel. But harming the beast was not in the Hargath's plan. He merely needed to offer it more than Marlowe had. The binding of Domainic entities was a well-known source of power in the southern islands, where all souls were already blackened with evil. Doing such was a different rite, one the Hargath knew well. His transformation into the seer he was had come from just such a bargain, albeit with a somewhat lower-ordered domain. 
as usual, it relied on naming. All things Domainic did. With his reinvigorated body and his purpose solidly locked within his mind, the Hargath did not fear the risk of contending with Marlow's Yasnathan lord. In fact, he relished the thought. Perhaps it would come to serve him even more loyally than the sycophants he currently suffered to live. Perhaps this domain would become the first of many. The carriage wound down the switchbacks of the street of the diadem, rocking gently as the driver steered the horse around the slower traffic. The Hargath settled into the subtle world of the Mercasine, feeling the contours of his own mind and then reaching out. Perhaps Kyla Sai was about. Perhaps Marlowe. The faint sparks within the baths of Ori drifted past him. He noted the voluptuary was in a similar state of meditation. She was much too distant for him to attempt any touch, and she was much too well-trained for him to risk such a stunt. The others were sensuals of lower ability. He had nothing but disdain for them. He considered brushing their minds with terror, but decided against it. Even one of weak ability might have enough experience to detect that it was he who interfered with their thoughts. He was not yet prepared for open warfare with the other ways. Besides, a more interesting spark was drawing his attention. It moved down slope, nearing the lowest reaches of Terracide. He recognized it immediately, for he knew the mind intimately. He knew every one of the lad's pathetic secrets. Henley. Interesting that the voluptuary had let the boy leave her control. She had made a practice of giving ones of great potential leave to come and go as they pleased. She was a wily old biddy, but he could not comprehend what game she was playing by doing so. Sir, we have arrived. His elderly servant was touching his shoulder. The Hargath realized that the carriage had stopped. The lad Henley is on Lower Terrace side, near to the Divide. Send Duncurl and a man or two of the watch to seek him out. I would have him with me tonight, for I require his power. See that he is unharmed, for I do not have time to wait for him to recover from injury. Duncurl must take the stone bone, Heller. It will likely be required to subdue the lad. These instructions were relayed to others as the Hargath made his way to the crypts. What the righteous required, till provided. With Henley's power, the Hargath would have much more to spare when he contended with the domain that night. Have Highest Benel join me in my chamber. I require use of one of the helders in the reliquary. He was answered with many yes-seers, and that suited him. Soon his title would change, and then these men would prostrate themselves before him for the mere chance to speak his name. What that name would be, he hadn't decided yet. But it would begin with Emperor. He saw now that Till's plans merely began with his ascension to power in Starside. There was an entire world of lost souls who needed the Hargus hard-handed guidance.